So uh, we're in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12 this morning. Now our day is just beginning. I don't think, is anybody here working the night shift right now? No? Okay. Our day is just beginning, and, and as we face the hours before us, we have a choice. Are we going to be full of fear, or are we going to be full of function? Now fear is a natural emotion, um, you know, fight or flight and all that. But we are no longer simply natural men. Because the moment that we were born again, we became new creations, complete with the supernatural power and presence of God. Part of God's plan for our lives is that we be free from fear. Uh, He says as much in John 14, 27. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let your heart be afraid. I know sometimes I think of fear as something that's maybe childlike or something kind of rare. Um, But if we think about what it means to worry, I believe that we find that they are are much the same. To have fear or to worry essentially means that we are unsure of what is coming ahead and we're distressed about it on some level. Something I would guess that we all struggle with from time to time, fear or worry or that anxiety. Worry is also a weight that the Lord Jesus desires to free us from. In fact, several times in the Gospels, he instructed us not to worry. Turn page. All right. Turn page. I'm about, I'm about to blow your minds right now with my technological side. pray for a minute for restraint. The good news is that all this can be edited out, so... Here we go, going back. Uh, So on a human level, Paul the Apostle had a lot to be worried about. He had a lot to be afraid of. He had a big job as an apostle. He was an important figure in the beginning of the church age. He had a lot of weight on his shoulders, as it were. Uh, But beyond that, he was also facing death by a pagan Caesar, which could come really at any moment at this time. He was imprisoned in the Praetorium, There, he was right at the end of his time on the earth. However, in our next verses in Philippians, Paul demonstrates how a man of God can live full of function and empty of fear. He shows us that if we are willing to live in a state of faithful abandon to God's will, then everything that we're going to do, everything, is going to impact the people around us, whether they be Christians or those who are in need of Christ for their salvation. And so here are our three verses Uh, Starting in verse 12 of chapter 1, Paul says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul was facing the pressure of leading in the, in the church in a world that was increasingly anti-Christian. He is to us an example this morning. His life is an extreme version <clears throat> of what many of us are facing today or will face sometime in the near future. Here's what I mean by that. I know that I and you guys you know, have pressures and stresses going on in your lives right now. We all do. I mean, that's life. Things going on at work, things going on at home... Uh, problems and situations and difficulties that are weighing on our hearts in some way. Now, beyond that, 
as fallen human beings, each of us hold fears in our hearts. I don't think, you know, uh, there's probably any of us here that have completely overcome every fear in our life. Maybe it's the death of a family member, maybe it's our own impending death, maybe it's the safety of our children, the state of the nation, the world at large, spiders, you know, any of those sorts of things. <laughs> Areas where we are frightened or, or anxious or overwhelmed in some way. These struggles may be specific to each of us, you know, we don't all have the same common worries and fears, but the stresses of, of life and the stresses of living in a fallen world are common to man. And in this passage, Paul addresses how a Christian is to respond to the pressures and the fears of life by walking in the Spirit and fulfilling the function of a disciple. And so he begins in verse 12 and he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. The people in Philippi were confused and they were worried about all the suffering that Paul was enduring. And they no doubt were worried about suffering in their own lives. And Paul immediately elevated their thinking to the heavenly level. He shifted their focus from the current difficulty and the current loss to the understanding that the Christian life is about a massive, epic plan that God is working out on the earth through his people. And so they were focused on his chains. They were focused on his imprisonment, the difficulty he was facing. They were stressed out about that and they were worried about that. They were focusing on the persecution and the negative parts of the world situation. And then Paul stops him and he says, whoa, 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 you're worried about my shackles? You're worried about my living arrangement right now? That, you know, you're focused on that? You're spending time you know, worrying about that? And then he goes on to explain to them how this situation that he was in right then, which they were so discouraged about, was being used powerfully to further the gospel, to change lives and to win souls. And it's an interesting perspective. Because we need to understand and believe that God is working completion in our lives. You know, we can't miss that idea when we read Philippians that Paul says again and again and again, this is what God is accomplishing in your life. This is what God is doing in your life to bring you to a moment of completion when you stand before him. And we need to believe that God is working all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We need to believe that. We have to look at our lives as individuals and we need to look at whatever situation or situations we find ourselves in and understand that God is moving in and through those things so that he can accomplish salvation and transformation in hearts. That's the deal. That's, that's what the Lord is doing right now in your life and in my life. And when we as Christians focus on the suffering or if we focus on the pain or if we focus on the difficulty and get wrapped up in that negative situation then how quickly we forget that God is orchestrating a fantastic feat in our lives. Paul knew what he was doing when he appealed to the Caesar. You know, uh, it's really a, a stunning turn of events as we read the book of Acts. He wasn't afraid. You know, back when all this was going down, it's recounted for us there in the book of Acts how he took the opportunity to have the Jewish case against him, which was flimsy and empty, and they couldn't get any of their charges together or have any witnesses going. He had an opportunity to talk to some Roman officials. And when he had that opportunity, he took it to appeal to the Caesar. He had the opportunity to be heard by the ruler of the entire empire, the entire kingdom. And he took that opportunity and he knew what he was doing. You know, the local officials there, at one point, when he finally does do that, appeals to Caesar, as, which was his right as a Roman citizen. You know, they said, okay, well, you guys need to leave. We're going to deliberate. And they just say to each other, you know, if this guy hadn't appealed to Caesar, then he, he just would have gone free. I mean, there's nothing to hold him for. There's nothing to charge him for. 
But as he was led by the Holy Spirit, and as he was focused on the fact that God wanted to complete this plan and complete this amazing work uh, in the world and through his life, Paul took this rare opportunity to further the gospel in a very unique way. And he said, you know what, I have a chance here to talk to the Caesar, and I'm going to do it. Because the Apostle Paul understood that his function in life was to accomplish the work that God had set before him to do. He had a very unique calling as an apostle. He had a very you know, stunning calling as Paul, you know, and we see all the things that the Lord did through his life. And, you know, so I'm not saying all of us are going to be like the Apostle Paul. However, he is our example, and his life is the same that life that we're supposed to follow in, where we are led by the Holy Spirit, and to say, okay, Lord, I'm your servant, I'm your, you know, bond servant, I want to do what you've set before me to do, I want to accomplish those things. Paul knew his calling, he knew his gifting. And he knew that his desire was really to follow into the will of God. And so he was able to dive into this potentially dangerous and scary situation, not only without fear, but with a confidence and peace that God was going to further the gospel. It's one thing to be, you know, without fear. You know, we might call that foolhardy at some point. It's like, hey, aren't you afraid of, you know, I think of like, the MTV generation where it's like, let's see what we can you strap a rocket onto and jump over. Okay, you know, being without fear is one thing, but being without fear and then full of confidence and full of faith is another thing. And the, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul looked at his calling and looked at the fact that God desires to spread the gospel and he dove into his life and this situation that we find him in without fear and because he knew that God was going to do a work. Now, of course, we know that the gospel is not meant to be kept to ourselves. The gospel is to go throughout the entire world with us. We are the messengers that have been commissioned to deliver it. If we are keeping the gospel of Jesus Christ to ourselves, then we're failing. We're failing in the calling of God. And, and we don't want that to happen. Because God has filled our lives with the function of furthering the good news. And then he orchestrates our lives so that that work can be accomplished in the heavenly timeline. But then why suffering? Why difficulty? Why martyrdom? Why persecution? Why all this you know, difficulty? Why not just blessing and ease for God's people? If we're you know, the people that God is filling and, and working with, and if God is orchestrating all of this stuff, then why don't we just have an easy road? A couple of reasons. Job 2.10 Job says to his wife, hey, shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? It's an important statement. We live in a fallen, and, and a fallen world that is full of the Lord's enemies. They're rebels who are contending against the Lord and his desire to save them. And so, of course, since the people of the world who do not believe, since they hated Jesus Christ, then they're going to hate those who represent and love Jesus Christ, which is us. And so difficulty and persecution is a natural byproduct of living the Christian life. And, uh, you know, it's a natural byproduct of furthering the gospel. We're going to get, you know, backlash against that. And so it's a good sign when we encounter that sort of difficulty, when we encounter that sort of friction. It means that we are not keeping the gospel to ourselves, but that we are furthering it in the way that God desires. But on another level, we know from reading the Bible that difficulty and trial actually serve to benefit us as God's people. James 1, starting in verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Trials and difficulty are meant to produce fruit in our lives. 
They're meant to burn away those things that don't matter. They're meant to draw us nearer to God. And if we're willing to accept adversity as a training and a purifying from God, then our lives are going to be incredibly useful in accomplishing the Lord's work. And Paul had this figured out. And that's what he's sharing with us in the Philippians this morning. That it's God's will that matters. It's not all the things that we worry about that matter. It's God's loving plan for our lives that matters. Not our level of comfort, not our level of ease. Do we have real difficulty in our lives as individuals and as Christians? Yes, absolutely. No one's discounting that. You know, sometimes God's people experience excruciating difficulty. But the answer is to focus on Jesus Christ and understand that it is an opportunity not only to scramble closer to the one who made us and saved us, but it also is an opportunity to further the gospel as the world around us looks in at our lives and sees endurance and sees patience and sees joy and sees confidence that God is all that matters and that God is in control even through adversity. This is, how, this is the direction Paul goes in verse 13. He says, It has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. All these people that were around Paul and working with him and you know, stationed near him, they understood what was going down in his life. These soldiers knew that he was on his way to death. They knew what was going on. They knew what happened if you appealed to Caesar. Nobody appealed to Caesar and survived. I mean, you appealed to Caesar and then you were executed. And they knew that he was this influential teacher and writer in the church because they saw him writing letters and they saw all these people coming to visit him, you know, from churches that he had planted. And, you know, he had told them about his life and what the Lord had done. After they knew him personally, you know, as he got to know these different people, that's the most important thing. They got to know him personally as he shared his testimony, as he explained how God had changed his life radically, as he talked about and then demonstrated the peace that he had in the Lord. You know, really, it must have blown their minds that in many ways he was looking forward to the moment where he would leave this life and enter into heaven to meet with Jesus Christ. And this Jesus Christ that he kept telling them about was unlike any other God they had ever heard of as pagan Roman people, you know. And so it really must have blown their minds as they got to know this guy and as they started to piece together the fact that this guy was some sort of influential leader and he had been all over the known world at the time and he had been doing this huge amount of work and his life had dramatically changed at one point and now he's sitting there saying, man, I can't wait. I can't wait for that moment where I get to leave this earth and join with Jesus Christ. And so make no mistake, this was an incredible audience that God had brought to Paul, soldier after soldier, Roman after Roman, people who God was reaching out to with salvation and hope. And Paul had the understanding that every situation in his life was a conduit for God's power. So whether he was in a time of blessing or whether he was in a time of suffering, he was not going to shut down that channel by which God was moving in. He wasn't going to say, well, I don't, God's not going to work right now because I'm going to spend this time complaining. He didn't sulk because he was in prison. He didn't doubt God and say to these soldiers, I don't even know if what I believe anymore. You know, I don't even, who even cares? I don't even know what's going on anymore. He looked at his situation and he was saying to the Philippians and to us, he said, you know, all of this, everything that's going on right now has been coordinated by the living God so that lives can be changed. And so that souls can be saved, not so that I can complain, not so that I can kick back, not so that I can let someone else do God's work. It was all put together so that a person could hear that there's hope for them, Jesus Christ. And then so that another person could come in and hear that there's forgiveness for their sins. And then that another person and another person and another person. 
that the Lord was bringing to him in this difficult situation. And Paul said, you're thinking about my living arrangement right now? You're worried about my shackles? You're discouraged about this? And he's thinking, man, look who the, what the Lord has done and look what the Lord is doing. Because Paul understood what was at stake. Lives and eternities. And as he explained his situation to the Philippians, as he explained his situation to the Roman soldiers and workers that were around him, them, and as he then explained their situation to them, their need for salvation and how they were holding a ticket for an eternity in hell, he, he explained how their lives could be changed. And they would have seen how loving and heroic he was as an individual. They would have also pieced together that, you know, this guy willingly came here. This guy would have been able to go free. I mean, and, and he chose to come here, and he's telling me it's so that he could talk to me and tell me that my sins can be forgiven and that there's a personal God who wants to save me and help me. That he was willing to give up his own comfort. He was willing to give up worldly wealth. He was willing to give up his very life if necessary so that he could tell that, that individual that there is a person named Jesus Christ and that they need to know him and that Jesus loves them. Really amazing things that the Lord was doing in Paul's life. But he's giving us himself as an example. He says, this is the Christian life. This is the situation. Everything that's going on in this life is being orchestrated by God so that his power can flow through your life. Your life and my life is being displayed before an incredible audience as well. You know, we look at that and we think, wow, this guy stood before the Caesar. He stood before, you know, these governors and all these different people. But our lives are being displayed before an incredible audience as well. You, just you guys in here, have an incredible influence on so many different people and so many different kinds of people. Policemen and firemen and political leaders and teachers and soldiers and businessmen and all these different kinds of people. People who God loves so deeply and, and people who need the Lord so dearly. And a big part of your and my testimony is breaking free from fear. Breaking free from worry. Those things that God has gone on record as saying that he wants to save us from. He's gone on record as saying, hey, I don't want this to be a part of your life. I, I want you to not have this as part of your day-to-day -day living. And, but so often I know I hold on to those things. I choose not to trust the Lord. And we grab hold of the fear and refuse to walk in confidence even though, though the Lord has supplied it. If that is the case in my life or in your life this morning, then we need to rethink what our function here on the earth is. Because in this capacity, we need to remember that we are very much like maybe an emergency worker. Let's say a fireman. Our function is to run into danger and try to save people from fire. You know, when we look at firemen, and that's, you know, we, it is a, a remarkable job and, and it's an amazing job and we respect that as a society and everything, but we also understand that, well, yeah, some people grow up to be firemen, some people grow up to be businessmen, you know, I mean, and so it's not like we, you know, it's not like, uh, well, how many people here, how many guys here when they were a little boy said to their parents, I want to grow up and be a fireman, you know, it's something that our culture aspires to, you know, I know Jerry has a background in fire, anybody else here have a background in, okay, yeah, Dave, you have a background in fire, and so, you know, we on the spiritual level are to serve in that capacity to run into danger and to save people from fire. Here's what Paul says in verse 14. He says, And most of the brethren in the Lord, have, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. As they looked at Paul, they saw God working in strength. They saw confidence. They saw function. They saw faith. They saw fearlessness. 
his testimony as an individual said to them, you do not have to be afraid. Death means nothing. Suffering means nothing. Adversity means nothing. All of those things have been given over to the power of God and we have become victorious over them as believers and uh, co-heirs with Christ. And this mindset brought courage to the other believers who saw him who then took that courage and turned it into gospel preaching. They looked at Paul and they saw that there was nothing to fear and everything to gain in this life. And it caused them to go out in boldness and effectiveness and fearlessness. Our reaction to life and our reaction to the situations that we're in right now dramatically and powerfully impacts the people around us. Your reaction to life, whether it's biblical or not, whether you you know, act in the way that Paul did or, or not, is going to influence the unsaved one way or another, and it's going to influence other Christians one way or another. That's the deal. So often we get our eyes set downward. We get focused on the imprisonment. We're focused on the shackles. We're focused on the difficulty and the suffering. And of course, we're not discounting the real hardship of those things. No one said it was easy to be martyred. It's not easy to be stoned. It's not easy to have you know, the difficulty of our own lives. Um, but, but we have to understand that we have to overcome those things in Christ's power and that the Lord wants to set us free from the burden of those things. Here's a real life example as we close. Two months ago, uh, Kelly and I, our house was burglarized. It was a very stressful and very frightening thing to have happen. I don't know, I'm sure lots of you have this testimony as well. But, you know, in all honesty, it's hard to feel safe uh, in my natural heart. When we're going to bed at night, I feel this anxiety starting to stir up within me. But as I read this passage, it started to click that we have to make the decision to let go of fear and to let go of worry. Not in the you know, psychoanalytical way, but in the spiritual way. Choosing to quiet that natural heart and say, you know what, I trust God. I trust the Lord and I know that God plans things for me and I want to set sail with Him. We don't have time for worry as Christians. We don't have time for fear. For one thing, those burdens are going to stop fruit production in our lives. But not only that, it's going to keep us off the job. And all of us are called to emergency service in God's kingdom. We're called to pull people out of the fire. Sometimes it's easier to do that. Sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it's very simple. Sometimes it's very stressful. But no matter the situation, God's call persists on our lives because God's love persists and the enemy's claim over lost souls persists. And so we can't afford to be off the job as Christians. And so the Apostle Paul comes and says, I am the extreme example of overcoming fear and stress. I can show you what it means to fill your life with spiritual function, no matter what your situation might be. And so how do we do it this morning? What's a practical way that we can move away from fear and toward the function of furthering the gospel to the people around us? I've got a couple of simple ones for us. First, invite someone to church. Coworker, friend, family member, stranger. Hand them an invitation and demonstrate to them that you have hope and you have confidence and that you actually want to introduce them to this person, Jesus Christ, because he's worth knowing. Second, if you're going to work today, put your Bible on your desk. Physically show the people around you that God's plan for your life is important to you. If someone asks you about it, then take that as an opportunity to share your testimony of what God has done in your life. Not what you think they need to do in order to be more righteous, but just share, hey, this is what God has done in my life, like Paul did when the new shift of soldiers would come in. Hey, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. And then third, take time to get alone with the Lord and discover those areas of fear or worry in, in your life. 
I would guess that most of us have at least one area that we're worried about or anxious about. Make a conscious decision to give that to the Lord. Make a conscious decision to not dwell on that anxiety, but to think of the bigger picture. Because in the bigger picture, God has filled you. He has a plan for you. He has a gifting for you. He has wisdom for you. He has a function for you. And he has a great desire to use you to save lives. And so, right here at the end, I'll paraphrase Paul's verse. I want you to know, brothers, that the things which are happening to you and to me right now in our lives, whether they be easy or hard, whether they be good or bad, whether they be trial or deliverance, all of those things are actually turning out for the furtherance of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen?